Welcome, welcome to church this morning. So glad you made the choice to be here. If you're come joining us at home, we're glad you're joining us there as well. Relax, take a breath, get ready to worship, right? Get ready to worship. Let's go to the word. Our Lord, our Lord, the majesty of your name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You have taught children and nursing infants to give you praise. They silence your enemies who are seeking revenge. When I look at the night sky and see the works of your fingers, the moon, the stars you have set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think of us, mere humans that you should care for us? For you made us only a little lower than God. You crowned us with glory and honor. You put us in charge of everything you made, giving us authority over all things. The sheep and the cattle, all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, everything that swims in the ocean currents. O Lord, our Lord, the majesty of your name fills the earth. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, just the thought of how much you care for us. The idea that you made us only a little lower than you. That of all the things you've done, you've placed on this earth, you put us in care of it. Help us to be good stewards, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for this place where we can come worship you, lift our hearts together as one in adoration of you and who you are. Holy Spirit, be alive in this church today. Touch hearts, touch minds. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would stand with me and recite our creed and what we believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, in Christ's universal church, the communion of all believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and a life everlasting. Amen. Let's worship.
You know, there's an old chorus that says, Soften my heart, Lord. Soften my heart. From all indifference, set me apart. To feel your compassion, to weep with your tears, come soften my heart. Soften my heart. And so, Lord, we pray and ask you to soften our hearts this morning. We don't want to be indifferent in an age of indifference. We don't want to be compassionless in an age where so many only care for themselves and just don't see or comprehend the needs around them. Help us to weep with your tears like the tears you cried over Jerusalem. And keep us, Lord, from hardening our hearts and help us to be more sensitive to your presence and to your will. As we come to you in prayer this morning, we confess that we've often done the wrong things or left undone the things that you would have us to do. Please forgive us, Lord. And when we're tempted, Lord, help us to turn to you for the strength we need. When we place our thoughts above your thoughts and our desires above your desires, when we act contrary to your will and your word, help us to turn to you and seek your face and humbly ask for forgiveness and restoration to a right relationship. Soften our hearts, Lord. We thank you this morning for being our provider and help us to develop an attitude of sharing the things you have given us with others who are less fortunate and in much need. We thank you again for our many missionaries who serve you in countries far from home and even for those that serve within our borders. Thank you for their dedication to you and the gospel. Thank you for the sacrifices many of them have made and continue to make on your behalf. We thank you also for the many ministries, both here and abroad, that serve your kingdom in so many ways. Lord, we are grateful for the ministry of the Hoving Home. Thank you for the ladies who were with us last Sunday and who shared with us what Christ has done in their lives. Bless their leaders and helpers here in Oxford, New Jersey, and in the other locations where they serve you. We pray that you would richly bless their ministry, and may they know the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit as they minister to other women in need. We also pray for those who need a touch in body, mind, or spirit. We know that you are a miracle-working God, and we ask you this morning to touch and heal bodies for your glory. And for those who need deliverance from unhealthy habits or from attacks from the enemy of any kind, may they find deliverance in your spirit. Bless now the remainder of this service. Give us ears to hear and hearts and minds to receive what your spirit is saying to us this day. And yes, Lord, please soften our hearts. 
all of these things we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen and amen. Greet someone this morning and tell them you're glad that they're here to worship with us. Well, good morning again. We're glad that you're joining us here. If you're joining us online, we're glad for that as well. If you are here uh, in the sanctuary and this is one of your first weeks here, hopefully someone has given you a connection card when you walked in. But there are also new here cards um, on the row in front of you. If you want to fill one of those out, you can scan the QR code. And that information will go right to the office as well. But we'd love to know about you, love to know that you're visiting, love to know that you've been here a few weeks. Um, And if you do fill one of those things out and go over to the information center, there's a gift waiting for you there. So welcome. Coming up, we are preparing for VBS. So scan that QR code in your bulletin. Register your children. Register to be a volunteer. We are still in need of crew leaders, um, adults and teens to be caring for about five kids each as we take you through our days of VBS. So put that on your calendar. Invite people that you know. Make it a plan to be here um, VBS is coming up. Also coming up this Wednesday is Family Prayer Night. So we're try- Pastor Jason is trying for about the first Sunday of each month to open our sanctuary or the cafe for prayer, um, specifically focused on families. But you can come and pray about whatever needs you have um, and be in a community of believers who will pray with you. There's times you can be silent. There are people who will pray with you as well. So um, put that on your calendar this Sunday evening, 7 o'clock, Family Prayer Night. Oh, um, no, what did I say? Not Sunday evening. If you come on Sunday, you can go to youth group. No. <laughs> Wednesday evening. I, um, um, next Sunday is our baptism service. So we already have about, I think, four candidates for baptism next Sunday. Um, there is still a class available next Sunday morning. So if you are interested, please see Pastor Jason, or you could go over to the Information Center t- um, to inquire about um, with Pastor Jerry. But... If you are a believer who has not been baptized yet, make that a priority, and you can do it next week. All right, a couple more things. Child dedication as well. Um, I sent an email to our children's church families, and it's like, this is so exciting. These are opportunities for you to um, not only declare your faith, but um, for your for child dedication is an opportunity for you to bring your children here and say, we are raising these children to know the Lord. Um, if you haven't done that with your kids, please see Pastor Jason. So that is coming up on July 2nd. Um, and there are already some families doing that. So if you have young children or even older children who you have not um, brought before the Lord and said this child belongs to you, that is your time to do that. 
Okay, the vaults investment breakfast is happening this Saturday, June 10th. Um, you are welcome here at 9 o'clock up in the Family Fellowship Center. If you want to know what they are serving at the investment breakfast, follow the vault on Facebook. You'll see it there. So check out Facebook, um, the vaults. They have the list of what they'll be serving. Um, but it is free to you to come. They'll be talking about the vault ministry. There'll be kids there who are served by the vault, and you will get a great understanding of what it is that Brian and his team do in downtown Washington. So please make it a priority to come this Saturday, enjoy time together, and learn about this very important ministry that's been part of um, our church for 10 years. Yes? Eleven. Okay, I was close. Thanks, Brian. So eleven years the vault has been open, and I would have known that if I had gone to the breakfast last week. (laughs) All right, a couple more things. Um, We are so grateful um, for the ways that you give here. Um, Pastor Jason had asked me, he said, maybe everyone doesn't know who I am. So my name is Laura, and not only do I do announcements most of the time here, but I have the privilege to um, head up most of our children's ministries. I get to work with wonderful teams of people who do this all year round in Awana and Children's Church. But when VBS comes, um, we have such a wonderful team of people from the community, um, from people here who donate, people here who pray, families from all over come to our VBS. Um, So thank you for investing so that we can run the air conditioning in July, um, so that we can have the lights on, so that we can have volunteers who are welcome here into this space and that we can greet every single family who comes through those doors and let them know that this is a place where they are welcome, a place where they are cared for, a place where they can come to know Jesus. So um, as you've been taking stars, I put up a few more stars back there. So if you've looked and thought, oh, there's like three lonely stars, there are more. So you can check about the um, donations. Thank you for those of you who have already done that. Um, But we are so grateful for all of your giving, for all of the ways that you pray for this community, for the ways that um, you make it possible to reach beyond our doors. So that was a lot of words. Thank you for your attention. Um, For the next few moments, let's continue in worship. Would you stay with us as we as we uh, sing one more song in worship this morning?
emotional worship and adoration. God, I pray that your presence would be real, manifested in this place. God, if we're here out of habit, if we're here out of obligation, if we're not here out of a desire to to love you and to get to know and love others, we're kind of missing it a little bit. And so I pray that you'd be the focus of our day. You'd be focus of our worship and that you would speak to us. As I preach this morning, as I share what I believe you've given me, I pray that you would speak to me, that you would speak to us, that we would leave this morning a better reflection of you in our world. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Children, you guys are free to go to Children's Church. Well, good morning. Welcome to Faith Discovery Church. If you're new with us or if you, we've never met, my name is Jason. I'm the pastor here, and it's a, it's a pleasure, it's an honor to have you join us this morning as we continue. We're in the middle of a study of the book of James. Uh, just to give you a sense of kind of what, the way we program our, our, our calendar, our services. Sometimes we will, we, typically we're going to, we walk through series. We'll, we'll group a, a, a bunch of weeks together to talk about, uh, maybe it's a topic. Sometimes it's a topic. Uh, sometimes it's a book. Right now we're, we're, we're walking through the book of James. And, uh, other times it's, uh, just, a, a, some consistencies throughout scripture, a theme. Uh, but we try to mix it up a little bit. But right now we're in the book of James. We've been here off and on because uh, for the last several weeks we've had a few visitors. Last week we had a Hoving Home. I thought Hoving Home was wonderful. It was awesome, and uh, and I get I get jealous. This is really bad. I get jealous when people come and are so far superior to what I do on a Sunday morning that it makes me try to step up my game. But we're glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, one ha- uh, two ca- housekeeping notes real quick. Um, first, uh, you've, for those of you who've been around lately, you've heard that we have been putting together a nominating committee for uh, church, our, our church board. We have a church board, a group of elders and deacons, and deacons are nominated uh, by, from the congregation. And so we have our nominating committee ready. And so if you have a person who is a member of the church and you have talked to them about putting their name up, 
you could go ahead and, and let me know uh, the, the, that, that name or those names. Or if you're interested in your, uh, yourself, you certainly could put your own name up. What will happen is those names will go through our nominating committee, and uh, we'll go through a whole process. And by September, we'll have worked through all of that. So if, you're, if you have a name that, or a person that you'd like to nominate for our church board, um, see me um, here in the next week or two, and that would be great. Uh, you could email me, text me, however you want to get to uh, get that information to me. Second thing I want to make you aware of totally slipped my mind. So we're just going to skip it. So we'll move on. If I remember it, I'll just interject it right into the message. Um, so we're going to jump back in. Today we're going to start talking about chapter 2 of James. James is a book, if you remember, written by the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, James was a was the half brother of Jesus. He was not necessarily initially a follower of his brother, uh, but as he watched his brother go through life, specifically the end of his brother's life and then the ascension, he had an experience where he came to put his faith in Jesus. And by uh, several years later, by maybe seven or eight years later, he's become the leader of the church in Jerusalem, the main church, if you will. And so. The church started in Jerusalem, but on Acts chapter 2, you can read about how the church starts. It's a group of people who have traveled to Jerusalem, and the Holy Spirit descends, and the day of Pentecost happens. And um, it's a powerful expression of God's manifestation power in Jerusalem. But it starts the church. People go back to their homes, and throughout the Middle, the, the Middle East, the Mediterranean region, there are pockets of of Jesus followers, mostly Jewish people at this point. And, but the main group is in Jerusalem and James is the leader. And so he is, uh, he's writing to a bunch of people who have since dispersed throughout the region. There was great, there was a great famine in Jerusalem and uh, persecution from the Romans. And so a lot of people left because the grass is always greener on, no, that's, that's, we'll not go there. But sometimes doesn't it feel like if you just, leave your situation. It'll get better if you go somewhere else. Uh, turns out those, that kind of stuff follows you. Uh, so if there's anything you don't, you take away from today, take away that the grass is not always greener on the other side. But James was talking to people who had went and looked for a different place of life. Uh, of life. And so he sends them uh, a letter and he's encouraging them of what it means or how to live in a world where it's not easy to be a Christian. And so that's the basis of this letter. And so we're going to pick it up. It's to provide a guide for holy living in an unaccepting world. We're going to pick it up at verse 1 of chapter 2. It's a little bit of a lengthy passage, but you can read along with me on the screen. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing the fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised for those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? 
Are they not the ones dragging you into court? Are they not the ones blaspheming the noble name of him to whom we belong? If you really keep the the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he, who, for he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you're a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What good is it, my brothers and sisters? If someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you, say, if one of you says to them, go in peace, be, keep warm and be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Can we pray this morning? Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for your word. Thank you that you're here to teach us today. I pray that each of us would learn from what you have for us and that we would love the world we live in and the people around us the way you do. In your name we pray. Amen. James chapter 1, we've gone over it. It's really an an, out, uh, an outline or an overview of what he's going to talk about in the rest of the book. And so now he's breaking into specific things that he wants his people, his, his, his flock, the people he cares so deeply for. There's things he wants them to know as they persevere in living for Jesus in an absolutely unaccepting world. And I could, I wish I could tell you that, uh, he lived in a world that there was no discrimination. I wish I could tell you we live in a world where there is no discrimination. But he didn't, and we don't. I wish that I could tell you that no one would judge you because of your skin color, but all too often they do. I wish I could tell you that Christians treat everyone as equal people, but I cannot tell you that. Favoritism and discrimination in all their various forms are real and they're present in the world just as much today as they were 2,000 years ago when James wrote this. At some level, at some level, most of us have been discriminated against because of what we, of either how we look or how we sound when we talk or, or uh, our, our body shape or our, 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 our skill set or our, uh, our intellect. At some level, each of us have been picked on or pointed out for some reason in our lives. And how one describe, uh, reacts to being discriminated against says a lot about their character. How you react to those situations speaks volumes about the person you are. But but here in James chapter 2, James is talking less about how others treat his audience and more about the importance of how one the people in his audience are treating others. 
and that they should treat everyone as equally valuable. And understand that he's talking to a group of people that are the targets of discrimination right now. He's not talking to the people in power. He's talking to the people who are being discriminated against. They're the targets. If you know anything about uh, history, uh, Roman history, you know anything about first century history, you know that as Roman emperors changed hands it, uh, through the first 50, 60 years until we get to Nero, almost everyone gets more discriminatory against the Christians until we get to Nero. And he makes, he makes all of the other people, all of the emperors look like uh, they were just starting to try in the way he discriminates Christians. And so in this world of, of being discriminated against, James reaches out and he doesn't talk about, doesn't talk so much about, about in chapter two, about how to deal with the persecution. He talks about how not to be persecutors. He talks about how to not discriminate against. Against each other, don't discriminate against each other, and don't discriminate even against the people who are out to get you. This is an interesting take on it. Because if, if we're talking about it today, if we're talking about it and we're discriminated and we're persecuted to their level, most of our conversations are going to be about how to encourage each other in the face of the fear, how we can get through it. And he's not saying get through it. He's talking about being victorious. He's talking about being better than everything else. He's talking about living in a difficult world in a way that re- represents Christ in Christ's victory, not in our defeat. And so he says to people, love equally. Do you love people equally? Do you care for people equally? Do you value the rich, the poor man as much as you value the, the rich man? Do you accept the socially accepted model looking person more than you accept? Let's go with the before picture. The reality is that we, that we live in a world where we're faced with that guides itself by how it divides us, not by how it unites us. Rich, poor. Smart, less than smart. Godly, not ungodly. Beautiful, not so much. Skinny, not so much. White, black, Hispanic, Asian, Middle Eastern. I could go on, there's a million of those. Hairy, bald, hairy, bald. People who smell good, people who don't. You know anybody who doesn't smell good? Of all the people I've been around, probably the hardest one not to discriminate against. Might be the one who doesn't smell good. My question for you today is, does your faith in Jesus cause you to love, care, and treat everyone equally? Because genuine faith causes us to love everyone equally. That's the subject of James in chapter 2. If you look at verse 1, my dear brothers and sisters, by the way, you notice he keeps coming back to that phrase. 
brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters. You know why? Some of you have heard me talk about this. Because we're family. He was writing to people saying, your family, take care of each other, look after each other. And if you know anything about brothers and sisters, which certainly James did, he understood brothers and sisters don't get along. He didn't get along with his half-brother very often during his younger years. But there's a loyalty, there's a unity. He's talking about in a world that dissects us for what we're, how our differences are. Let me talk, talk to you about how we're together. We're family. That's the trumping card. That's where it starts. That's the foundation. And so in verse 1, how can you claim to have faith in Jesus and fa- if you favor some people over others? That's a good question. Jesus is asking, how can you claim to have genuine faith in Jesus when you're prejudiced or when you're racist or when you're bigoted or you're a sovereignist? As a follower of Jesus, we're to show respect to everyone. We're to be kind to everyone. We're to love and care for everyone. It doesn't matter who they are. Remember the Sunday, some of you grew up in church. And when you grew up in church, you went to Sunday school, and you used to sing this song, Jesus Loves the Little Children of the World. How many people remember that song? Oh, several. Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Some of you are like, yeah, Jason, why are you preaching a 1950s Sunday school song? Because there's truth in it. Not everybody identifies by that mechanism anymore but every one of us is precious to god in fact the bible teaches us that every one of us is created in his image and so we are each image bearers and so when we look at each other we should not see the things that differ that divide us but we should see we should look we should be intentional about looking to others and seeing god in them That's a different way to live in a world that's not easily acceptable to be a a Jesus follower. Well, but the world doesn't look at us that way. Yes! We're not called to defend ourselves. We're called to live like Jesus in a world, whether it's acceptable or not. Jesus had every chance to defend himself. And chose not to. And these are people 15, 10 to 15 years later, 10 to 15 years later, who remember Jesus' experience. And that's what they prescribe to. That's what they want to emulate. So... As we dive into chapter 2, let's pick up some truths that we might consider today, that we need to consider today. This is a reminder of the, that the problem of favoritism is a family problem. It's a family, uh, it's, it's a problem the family of God has but shouldn't have. So James is talking to believers. He's talking to followers of Jesus. And he's, uh, quite frankly, he's getting ready to really nail his his people to the wall. He ain't being bashful to the people who've moved away. This isn't like everything is great and you're doing great. You're awesome. James loves these people so much that he's willing to tell them the truth. 
That's one, that's another, that's an aside this morning. That's a, that's a sign of genuine faith and genuine love. That you will speak the truth to the people you love in love. You don't speak truth. Because, listen, the truth can be a weapon that can really hurt people. Or the truth can be a God. In many ways, it's a surgical tool. You can slash somebody or you can carve real carefully to expose what needs to be cut out. And James in love looks to do that. And so he's talking about the idea of favoritism. And he says in verse 2, Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes... Um, have you, and, but you don't give, and you give him a good seat, but you don't give the other guy a good seat, have you not discriminated against? Let me tell you something. There's a reason James was talking about this. This wasn't just a hypothetical James was saying, this might be happening somewhere. He knew this is happening somewhere. And so he uses this ill, this simple illustration to make a point. Two people come to church on a Sunday. One drives a nice car. One, not so nice. One has a big house. One is uh, not living in an RV, maybe. James is saying, if we say to the rich man with the nice car, welcome to church, glad you're here. Why Why don't you stay with me and let me introduce you to all the people I know here. But we ignore the poor person and politely offer them a seat off in the back somewhere. And then we ignore him. Jay says, have you segregated God's people? You're making judgments about people based on personal preferences and selfish motives. That's what James is saying. In other words, you're guided by evil motives. And this is why God hates it when people show favoritism, when his people show favoritism based on appearances, because that's motivated by selfishness. It's driven by personal gain and misguided motives. And this favoritism, it doesn't just happen at church, but it can happen in our family or at work or at school and in many other places we find ourselves. And it goes by many names. Words normally dis- used with discussing favoritism might be favoritism, and, uh, which is giving pref- uh, unfair preferential treatment or discrimination, uh, or prejudice. Maybe it's racism, chauvinism, or bigotry. First thing James wants us to know is, for believers, people like you and me, people who put our faith in Christ, whatever form favoritism takes and wherever it shows up, we are to be above it. Now, before we move on, let me be clear. Favoritism is, give, is to give preference to one person or a group over other people who leave claims. Don't misunderstand this. There are times where we need to treat people differently because because of who they are or the position they're, they're, they hold. That's not favoritism. If you see me treating joy differently than other women in the church, that's appropriate. She's my wife. If you don't know, my wife's over there. She's sitting there. There are times where it's not saying treat everyone the same always. 
My kids will tell you, I do not treat them the same as I might treat your kids. In fact, they'll tell you, I'm way nicer to your kids than I am to to them. My role for them is not their pastor. I'm their father. I'm charged, I'm steward, I'm given a, a stewardship of their upbringing. When they get old, oh, I'm responsible for having prepared them for the life they're going into. I have a certain responsibility for your children too. It's to guide them spiritually and to make sure that we're leading them in discipleship into Christ. But it's going to be different for your kids than my kids with me. But that's not showing favoritism. This is, there is some nuance here. We don't just treat everyone the same all the time. But we shouldn't be interested in treating people differently because of a certain issue that we don't like about them. The sin of favoritism is based on evil motives, and it comes from unfounded opinions or beliefs that are contrary to God's word. We are all image bearers of Jesus. That is your primary description according to Scripture. It is not the color of your hair. It's not the color of your skin. It's not your eye color. It's not what color fingernail polish you use if you paint your nails. It's that you're an image bearer and you reflect, you're a reflection of God in the world. And when you come to faith in, in Christ and he, and the Holy Spirit starts to change us, starts to renew us, starts to refine us, starts to make us into the creation that he's working to be, the reflection of God in the world becomes that much clearer and the light gets brighter. Yesterday afternoon, uh, yesterday morning, actually, we changed some uh, light fixtures out in the parking lot over here. Um, you'll see uh, today, if you drive over there, there's a uh, bucket truck. And uh, we, we were, someone was able to obtain that, and we were able to change some light bulbs, and it was great. And the first, thing, the first light bulb that was being exchanged, the person who lives directly across the street walked over. That's not going to shine in my window, is it? No, it's not. We're, we are not trying. We're, we're going to try to. And, and the person said, actually, I like when the lights are on because it actually feels more secure. But I just want to make sure they're not going to be on all night and aim directly at my window, which is a fair request. When we come to faith in Christ, the lights that we put up there, they're way brighter. They're way clearer. They're way more energy efficient. Uh, they're lighter. Everything about them, it, the, surprise, the technology has, has improved in 45 years. Shocking. The light is better. When we come to Christ, when we come to Christ and the Holy Spirit starts to change us, renew us, make us into a new creation, that reflection of God, that image of God in the world gets clearer and the light shines brighter into the world we live. And so James is saying, in order to let that light shine brighter, there are some things we need to get rid of. There are some, uh, what do they call them, Uh, filters that need to go away. Because uh, favoritism is one of them. Because second thing, favoritism is an indication of spiritual immaturity. 
as followers of Jesus, how we treat people that are different than us, look different than us, hold different, hold different opinions than us. How we treat people that are different than us, look different than us, hold different opinions than us, hold different opinions than us, hold, can you tell that's a real one in our world today? And live differently than us tells us a lot about where we are and how we're doing spiritually. Genuine faith that, that the Holy Spirit creates in us, how it, as it grows, begins to challenge us to treat everyone lovingly. Genuine faith causes us to see value in everyone, even when they disagree with us. But if we are segregating people and placing value on people based on how they look or what they think or how they sound like, uh, or maybe their accent, how much more uh, they have than us, it's not as spiritual, it's not spiritually mature. Listen to this verse again. Verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? Excuse me. When you place your faith in Jesus, Jesus forgives you. He treated you just like he does everyone else who puts their faith in him. When you came to Christ, your wealth didn't matter. Your gender didn't matter. Your skin color didn't matter. Your education didn't matter. Your appearance didn't matter. Your hair color didn't matter. Whether you combed your hair that day or not didn't matter. Your, um, your history didn't matter. And it didn't matter if you were religious or not. Who your family was didn't matter. You were treated lovingly. You were forgiven lovingly. You were adopted lovingly. You were saved lovingly. And Romans 2.11 says, God does not show favoritism. Ephesians 6.9 says, God has no favorites. Which maybe challenges what my mother told me when I was a kid. To the side. You're God's favorite. No, she never said that to me. She probably said that to my brother. She never said that to me. When we treat people lovingly, i.e. equally, then we're demonstrating that we really understand what happened at the cross. Favoritism is an indication of where we are spiritually. If we show it at best, we're spiritually immature. At worst, we're not a believer at all. Number three. Favoritism dishonors people. In verse 8, James says that when you show favoritism towards the rich, you dishonor the poor. Notice the principle here. When you show favoritism towards someone because of their skin color or because of whatever category you're doing it, you dishonor people, all the other people that don't line up in that category. When you show favoritism, you dishonor everyone else. As followers of Jesus, we're about honoring people, not dishonoring them. Let me say that again. As followers of Jesus, we're about honoring people, not dishonoring them. So when you want to honor somebody, make sure you do it in a way that doesn't reflect poorly on, a, on someone else. Romans 12 says, love, verse 9, love must be sincere. Uh, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. If we truly value people, we will honor them because we truly, we honor everything we truly value. 
Reminds me of an old joke I've heard from, to be honest, pastors who are more seasoned or older than me. I'm, no, I'm sure, though, Pastor Jerry never told this one. About the, the husband who wanted to really take care of what was most important to him. So in the garage, he put his boat while his wife's car was in the driveway. To honor something we, if we value something, we want to honor it. To honor them is to speak to them with respect, to give them undivided attention. Followers of Jesus should be the best at honoring others because we understand and know the real value of human life. Favoritism dishonors human's life, but human life by saying that this person is more valuable than this person. Look to the person on the left and the person on the right. In God's eyes and in ours, they should be of equal value. Number four, favoritism is overcome by mercy. We don't have time to look at everything James said about favoritism, but I do want uh, you to see verses 12 and 13, which says, So whatever you say, whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. All your life, you're going to judge people, whether you want to or not. You can either judge the, you can judge them by their appearance, their age, their affluence, their achievements, their academics, their athleticism. And if you do that, you'll show them mercy. I mean, you'll show them favoritism. Or you can judge everyone based on mercy. Somewhere along your life, you picked up an assumption, or man, most of us have. We've picked up an assumption or an attitude towards certain people who look a certain way, sound a certain way, or act a certain way. And we typically ignore them, shun them, or worse. We look down on them. Maybe even we ridicule them. That's not God's way. God's way is to show mercy. Mercy is compassion. Mercy reaches out to those who have a need. Mercy is what causes you to love your enemy. Mercy is what motivates you to help a stranger. Mercy is kind when when others are unkind. Mercy is loving when others are unloving. Mercy treats everyone equally when you are not treated equally. Any selfish person can show favoritism, but it takes a transformed heart to demonstrate real mercy. And mercy is our weapon against favoritism. Mercy is our weapon against favoritism. Remember who he's talking to. The people who have been dishonored. The people who have been the butt of the joke. The people who, according to any human standard, have every right to want revenge. And to that person, James says, be merciful. He mentions mercy again in, 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 verse 17, in chapter 3, verse 17, which says, But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is peace-loving. It is gentle at all times and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and always sincere. Wisdom 
is demonstrated by God's people when we are full of mercy and we show no favoritism. Mercy says that even though that you're different than me, I'm going to love you. That even though uh, you may not like me, even though you may not want to be like me, I'm going to love you. Even though you may not nice to be, be nice to me, I'm going to honor you and show you respect. Mercy says I'm going to treat everyone equally. We're going to be done here in just a minute, but Colossians 3.2. PJ, you could come and, and get ready for communion. He's going to play for us today. But clothe your, Colossians 3.12 says, clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy. Clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy. Kindness. Humility gentleness and patience you you are to close yourself with mercy for the follower of jesus mercy should be as common to us as the shirt on our back it should not be strange that we find a believer who treats everyone with equal value we've been studying first uh first peter on wednesday nights if you haven't you uh this wednesday night family prayer night i encourage you to be here I encourage you to, our families in our country and in our community are under attack. And this is how we're praying, this is, this is how we're fighting for our families, by praying for them on the Wednesday nights that we do this. And so you may not need to come and pray for your family, but we need to pray for the institution of the family. And so I encourage you to be here. But on, when we, on the other nights when we don't have that, family prayer nights, first Wednesday night of the month, the rest of the time we're in Bible study. Right now we're studying First Peter. Peter's writing in a similar time to a similar group of people who are dealing with similar persecution. At the time he's writing, Peter's in Rome. He would eventually be killed by Nero. And he says to them, live in such a way that the people who hate you can only see God in the way you treat them. That you would live so countercultural to what is expected that people can only look at you and say, wow, I've got to honor your God. That's a high bar to get to. It causes us to go against everything we know to be right. Here in America, we fight for our right. It's the foundation of our, of our country. We had the right to representation. We had the right to freedom. We had, we had a lot of rights, and we learned from about 250 years ago that we should fight for them. And our biblical authors are saying, yeah, you might have that. Stop fighting for it. Live so differently. Love so differently. Be merciful so uniquely that people have to see Jesus in you. Genuine faith causes you to love everyone equally. Over time, our faith in Christ, our relationship with Jesus will change. It changes our hearts about the people that we are prejudiced against. Your faith changes your mindset towards those you favor and those you dishonor. As your faith grows, you'll begin to love and cherish the rich and the poor, the educated and the uneducated, the cool and the not-so-cool, the good-looking and the people who look like me. 
the man and the woman, the godly and the ungodly, the white and the black, and everyone else around you, as your heart is transformed by your faith in Jesus, you'll become to ha- you'll come to have the heart that God has for the world, and you come to love the world the way Jesus does. And he sees everyone as precious in his sight. Would you pray with me this morning? Jesus, forgive us for showing favoritism. Jesus, forgive me for showing favoritism. Jesus, forgive me for showing favoritism. As a body, as a church, I pray that we would eliminate favoritism and that we would love equally, that we would care equally, that we would distribute mercy equally. God, I pray that it wouldn't just be our church, but it would be your church. All the churches in our community that we in this world would live so differently that people have to ask, why are you so different? So that we could reflect glory to you. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite the elders to come for communion. We share communion at our church in your, uh, each week, basically each week, and you're welcome to join, to participate. The way we do it is we, every, we just ask everybody to rise and come to the center aisle closer to you and receive the elements from one of our elders and take the elements back and we'll share them together. But I'll go ahead and invite you forward and come to receive what we have this morning. If you're not able to make it up here, we'll make sure we get some to you. stand before you this morning at a, at a totally refinished communion table. Last week it was stained and 
I, to be honest with you, I had a bunch of stains on it. I thought it was grape juice from years of use, but it was water damage from past ceiling leaks and those kind of things. And there's a, there's a man who, uh, works through one of the county services who does some, works around the, the building and he was a, he's a painter. Was a painter. That's what he did in his life. He's now retired. And we were walking through the sanctuary one day. He said, you know, I could make this look brand new. And I was like, okay. Just prove it. And um, this, I mean, basically it looks like it was brand new. And he worked so hard to make it beautiful this week. He wanted so badly for this to be worthy of its use. But I stand here because it's a table. Jesus sat at a table, probably not uh, polyurethane as nicely as this. But he told his disciples when they were eating that he would never eat of this meal again until they were together again. And so someday... This table is beautiful, but I'm anticipating we're going to have a meal with Jesus at a table that's more beautiful than this. But the thing that gets me is that everyone, everyone is welcome to the table. Anything you think that limits you from being welcome at the table, Jesus is covered. Jesus is taken away. And just as much as this table was stained and is no more, your ability to come to the table has been wiped clean. You are welcome at the table. And so we're going to share this today grateful that there's nothing any of us are hindered by from our being able to come to Christ and find hope. So Jesus sat with his disciples that last time he ate this meal and he broke the bread and he took it and he told them that it was his body which was broken for them. And that they should honor him, they should remember him by eating it. Would you pray with me, Jesus? We honor you. Thank you that every one of us is welcome at your table. Would you take the bread with me? After supper, he took the cup. He said this cup was the new covenant in his blood. And that as often as they would drink it, that they should remember him. And so, Jesus, this morning we remember you. We honor you. And we invite you to let your light shine in us. Help us to eliminate the filters that dim you in our world. In your name we pray. Would you take the drink? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. Turn his face toward you and give you peace. Jesus, if there's any in the room who are being discriminated against today, I pray that you would be with them. But for us who are your body, help us to love the world the way you do. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great week. We will see you next Sunday for Baptism Sunday. If you would like prayer this morning, the altars are open and you're welcome to come receive prayer from our prayer team.